Hello, Latinos in clinical research. Welcome to another episode. <laughs> we have today a very special guest. Uh, it's an organization that has been 14 years in the industry providing uh, their services, and uh, they are based in Canada. The name of this company is Montreal, and I will let uh, David or Oliver to continue with the introduction. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Maybe I'll I'll kick it off. Thanks first and foremost for everyone to inviting us on the on the show. Really happy to be here. Uh, my name is Oliver Pierce. I'm the director of commercialization at Montreal. Um, I've been with the company now for almost a decade, so quite a long time. Um, the company was obviously very different from from when uh, from from when I joined to where it is today, of course. Um, and maybe I can say a few words about Montreal, but uh, I'll, David, I'll allow you to introduce yourself as well. Thanks, Oliver. So hi, everyone. Great to be here today talking with Dan for the second time. Um, so my name is David Kovac. I am a uh, the manager of business development operations here at Montreal, as well as uh, working with some of our, our uh, smaller biotech and CRO customers in uh, really leveling up their TMF processes uh, and just trying to share as many kind of best practices with the industry uh, through discussions like this. So great to be here. Thank you. So uh, David, you were going to, uh, I believe you were going to give us a little brief about the services and how uh, this works or uh, what kind of organization you guys serve. <laughs> Um, uh, could you please explain us a little bit more? Yeah, I'll, I'll actually let Oliver take this one. He's been here far longer than I have and can give a, a very good <laughs> oh, okay. uh, overview. <laughs> Thanks, right. um, yeah, so just to get, I guess, a bit of background on Montreal. So we, we've been in business now for almost 16 years, actually. So we were founded back in 2005. Um, and We, we actually started out as an organization, as a consulting company. So we were a group of consultants essentially helping folks in clinical research and drug development, uh, primarily implement technology. Back then, there were some technology platforms available, but there weren't all that many. Obviously, today, there are lots of different tools available to us. Um, but back then, we were helping organizations implement technology in this regulated environment that we find ourselves in, right? We do things a little differently. In the life sciences, we have fun things called regulations. And so we have to kind of figure out, well, how do we use technology within that context? And so we were helping, uh, you know, big, big organizations, big pharma, big CRO, all the way through to sort of mid-size and small pharma and CROs implement technology for uh, the first time. And what we realized during that initial sort of uh, process was that there were lots and lots of systems available to big pharmaceutical companies. Um, there were lots of tools available to, to big organizations that had lots of budget, big infrastructure, um, but there weren't a lot of, of technology tools available to the scaling biotech and pharma, the small clinical research organization um, that maybe don't have big IT teams or the money to implement, you know, big systems. And so that was when we set out, um, I guess, a, as, a, as a mission to bring to market a set of tools, a set of software solutions that were really catered and tailored to the scaling biotech pharma 
and clinical research organization. So that's sort of where we where we are today. Um, we've we've you know been bringing this platform to the market now for over a decade, and um, you know we've really emerged as one of the leaders in in sort of the, the the space when it comes to clinical data, clinical documentation, regulatory submissions, quality management, all within the context of of, of life sciences. So that's kind of where where it all all starts. Okay, and when, when you mentioned uh, that you were doing, uh, or the organization was doing consulting, did you guys yeah. already have a platform, or you were using the platforms that they had to implement uh, uh, this um, service? Yeah, it's a good question. So we were, um, we didn't have a platform at that point, we were just, you know, a group of individuals that really understood technology and the regulation and, and life science processes. Um, and so we were helping organizations implement other technology. So we got real up and close uh, with, with other technology tools that, that are still around today, some that are not. Um, so we got real intimate with, with, with the, some of those software platforms and really learned well, what was working for companies and what was not working. Um, and you know, initially it started where companies were coming to us and saying, look, there isn't really anything out there for us. Could you build us something? So we did a lot of sort of initial, you know, custom stuff. We were building things for, for specific customers. And after a while, you know, when you have 10, 15, 20 organizations come to you and, and say that they want pretty much the same thing, everybody kind of puts their head together and says, well, maybe we should, maybe we should bring something to the market that nobody else is doing right now. So that's sort of how it all started essentially. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, when you were mentioning that, a lot of questions pop up in my, in my mind. Like, uh, for example, how, how, how the company was born with this idea of giving consulting on the systems that didn't belong to you, but other organizations? Yeah. Well, so we were, we were founded by three individuals, um, all of which who were working Ind uh, independently at the time as consultants and prior to that were working in drug development in either IT or engineering or compliance mm -hmm. functions within CROs for example our, our, our CEO was uh, formerly um, at, at a large CRO in Europe before before coming to Canada um, and so they've, they've been involved in the industry for a number of years prior to, to kind of coming together And, uh, and had experience from the CRO pharma biotech side of implementing software within their own organization. And then took that experience to say, look, you know, these, the systems that are available today. So if anyone's, if anyone remembers the, the documentums and these sort of big systems that big pharma companies probably still have today, um, you know, they're very, very difficult to implement, you know, large immovable objects in a way. Um, and so to implement technology at an organization uh, that's very, very large is difficult. So you need consultants, you need people that understand how to do that. And that's how we initially started our, our, our lifespan. And, and the company itself, uh, it's always been a knowledge-based company. It started as a group of people that really had a, a unique set of domain knowledge in implementing regulated systems. Um, and, it's, and it continues to be that way today. We, we continue to be a knowledge-based company. We're a, We're big on, just like you guys, sharing educational material, trying to help out the industry, doing webinars, podcasts, and, and so on to continue to, to um, you know, get, put that knowledge out there, help people get, get better at what they're doing on a, on a daily basis. 
Okay, um, could you please show us a little bit or walk us through the, the services that you guys already have for the platforms that you guys already have uh, in place? Yeah, sure, we can, we can definitely talk to it. Um, in, in terms of the, the, the solutions that we have today, we have a platform that we call Connect. Um, and Connect sort of has what we consider the three core foundational elements of any organization uh, that's doing drug development. We have clinical, quality, and regulatory. Um, and so on the, the clinical side, we have an ETMF system, electronic trial master file, which for many who are listening are familiar with trial master files. This is a, a system that is implemented primarily at the sponsor or CRO organization uh, to better manage and standardize the collection and maintenance of trial master files. So all the clinical documentation, data, information that's collected over the course of the clinical trial is centralized in this ETMF system to enable you to support a regulatory inspection to tell the story of what's happened in a clinical trial. Um, the second solution we have is called, is, is, uh, is called RegDocs Connect, which is a, a regulatory information management system or a RIM system for those that are familiar. And it's really designed to uh, help organizations plan for uh, regulatory submissions. So anything from preclinical applications like clinical trial authorizations, INDs, et cetera, all the way through to, um, you know, sort of commercial uh, applications like NDAs, NDS, BLAs, and so on, market access sort of uh, uh, applications. So that's really managing all of the life cycle of the documentation, as well as what submission activity we're doing, wh where are we applying for, um, uh, where are we applying for, for, for drug approval for? And then finally, the third uh, sort of pillar uh, is quality management. So we have a QMS system. Uh, I'm sure everybody on this line has interacted with a QMS before. Pretty simple, everything from SOPs, you know, all of the things that we need to read to be trained on, on, our, on our processes, it, capturing all of our training records all the way through to capturing quality events like deviations and incidents, customer complaints, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, uh, we have also a change control module as well as part of that QMS system. So it's supposed, you know, the, the idea behind the platform is that it's the core foundation of any drug development organization, having these tools in place to enable you to manage the, the full life cycle of, of your drug or device. Is there any other organization that is providing a similar uh, product or service that you guys do, that you're competing and uh, and how does Montreal uh, is different or uh, uh, in their service uh, among these organizations? We've got lots of competitors, uh, which is good. <laughs> uh, competition is good because I think it brings the best out of, uh, out of the good software providers, uh, which we consider ourselves. Um, you know, I think there's, there's lots of familiar names that people will mention, the Vivas of this world, so to speak, are organizations that provide some of the same solutions that we do. Uh, I think what makes Montreal different, um, technology systems themselves, are, you know, the, the technology systems that are available, from a feature function perspective, they're very similar. Most of the systems you'll find on the market are very similar. The difference is often... Uh, you know, who you're partnering with, what type of organization is going to support that technology. And since day one, if you remember, you know, we've, we've really been about, um, you know, helping scaling pharmaceutical biotech CRO. And so our entire offering is really focused on the, the scaling small and mid-sized. So 
the vast majority of our customers are sort of startup through to a few, you know, five, 600 employees. And so we really engineered our offering, the way we do business, the way we support our customers, specifically for the scaling smaller organization. Many other systems are available today, but typically are built for bigger companies. They're more complex to implement, they're much more expensive, and they're difficult to maintain. And we wanted to come to market with something that was easier to maintain, easier to implement, and something that wasn't difficult to budget for, something that you could you could consume and, it, and, and you wouldn't have an issue um, you know, bringing on board from a financial perspective. And that's where some of the key differences are for us. Of course, we have an innovative technology. People love it. You know, uh, the, the user interface and user experience is one of the biggest things that we get feedback on. But I, I truly believe the reason why customers choose Montreal um, is, uh, is because we understand their business. We're a small business for small businesses. We're not a big business for big businesses. Oh, okay. So that will be your competitive advantage. It's definitely one of them. It's definitely one of them. Sure. I, I, I think that's really great that you guys really consider your audience, your customer, right? Because it's it's true. I mean, yes, you know, you're you're providing this really great service, but if they're starting up or they're really trying to get their feet wet, you know, you have to make sure that you partner with somebody that understands your needs and your situation and grows with you. So I think that that's really great to hear that there's at least one company out there that's doing that. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, we, we like to say that, you know, we're going to give you all the support you need and there's no invoice attached to it. We're going to support you, right? Um, we want to build partnerships with our customers. We do not want to have traditional customer vendor relationships where it's colder, you're not as prioritized. You know, we're big on, involving our customers in our roadmap. We have an interactive roadmap where you're able to shape the way our products evolve. You can add new ideas that our product team will look at. You can vote for different uh, functionality to be developed. So we're, we're very democratic, I guess, in the way that we approach <clears throat> you know, working with customers. And it's, it's really at the center of everything we do, right? You can't build a great company without great customers. Uh, and to have great customers, you've got to deliver a really great offering. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, what so what do you see, uh, Oliver, in regards to patient records, uh, especially as they're de-identified and as we start moving into blockchain technology? I know it's very early, but that's why we cover these things. So yeah, I'm starting to hear about systems where patients can opt in, de-identify their info, share their records sort of tokenize it i mean you guys are a tech company so what is your stance on this um in the future yeah i definitely have some opinions on it i think the the statement i'll make first is that you know we're uh, an organization that primarily serves the pharmaceutical company that hopefully serves the patient right um and for the most part the data that we're dealing with is operational data it's, you know it's, it's relating to the business the trial itself There are lots of systems, EDC systems, CTMS systems, ISF systems. These are all managing more patient data. Um, but I do think that the industry is going through a significant change and has done for quite a while. And I think COVID kind of gave us a little bit of a kick, right? A little bit of a kick for that. We definitely saw the impact of, of COVID in, in our business. Obviously, a big uptick in, in systems because no one's in the office anymore, so you can't see paper documents. Um, But when it comes to other technology like 
artificial intelligence is something that we've invested heavily in. We work uh, closely with the Canadian government who are, you know, we're working with to implement uh, artificial intelligence that will allow, uh, allow us to reduce the amount of, um, of manual effort of human interaction with processing information and telling a better story. I think when it comes to patient information, it's always a, especially when you have things like GDPR and we have our friends in Europe have, have, have moved things a little bit further forward than maybe we have in North America. <clears throat> it's interesting to see what impact that will have on things like blockchain. Um, it's, I think it's all very, very new. Um, and I think there are some companies out there that are in the patient uh, engagement space that are doing some really, really cool things. It's not really our ball game, um, but of course, what we are doing um, to, to stay at foot of that is, is, is relationships with those types of companies, right? We're working with organizations that are <clears throat> working directly with patients, managing uh, patient data and patient information um, to make sure that, you know, the organizations that we're working with have a good, a good foothold or a good understanding of that. Awesome. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so that's really great to hear because, yeah, like Dan said, it's super, it's super early on in the game. And I actually like to talk about this often. I really enjoy blockchain a lot. Um, and so uh, to hear that, you know, your company's moving forward or being considerate of like what you know, these changes are like actually happening. I mean, they're really they're coming. So um, to know that you guys are working alongside other vendors and companies that, that are prepping for this are already making changes in their strides. It's really nice to hear because, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I feel that uh, in research and data and even just tech in general, like it could really help a lot when it comes to research. So uh, I look forward to seeing what, you know, what ends, what ends up coming forth with your company. Yeah. It's, we're in an ecosystem, right? And um, the companies that ignore that they're part of an ecosystem are often the ones that aren't providing enough value. And so if you recognize that you're part of a larger ecosystem and that there are lots of technology providers that supporting different parts of the process, different stakeholders, patients, sponsors, investors, et cetera, um, I think you have a, you have a, you know, that perspective gives you the ability to, to deliver more value to your customer. And that's, that's ultimately what the way we're looking at it. Um, we're looking at what technologies we can leverage that are going to benefit our customers, but always being cognizant of what other technologies are available out there that may be being used to target other stakeholders in that process, right? We don't typically deal with patients directly. Um, like I said, we, we're, we're much more dealing with operational information, operational data, um, but we have to be considerate that this is happening, right? <clears throat> Blockchain, all of these processes have outputs, do you think Today, those outputs of documents, where do they go? Yeah, I agree. Do you do you think that the like how close are we to the great convergence where all these systems start talking to one another? Because right now they're all silos. So in research, like as a site level, you know, yeah. there's probably like 12 vendors for every study you do, like 12 logins. And yeah. the industry's always been trying to push for a greater consolidation. And some of the big players have been doing that. Like, what do you think about this? Because about this great convergence, when do you think it's going to actually happen? I think it's uh, it's already happening in some in some areas. Um, I think I think it's utopian to believe that it'll all be connected. 
it would be nice, but I don't think it'll ever all be connected. And what we have to think about is um, how do we connect the key pieces together, right? There are, there are clusters of stakeholders that really need to be better connected today. And can we focus there? If we try and focus on the big problem, which is trying to connect everyone, I think it will take us a lot longer. But I think already today, there are a lot of a lot of organizations, including us, that are working to make sure that we can connect those different tools together. Um, a lot of it is around technology enablement, like AI can play a role there in, in facilitating those interactions and those transactions. Um, you know, things like APIs, relationships with, with other software providers. In the life sciences, we're a little bit behind, um, you know, some of the other industries when it comes to technology because of regulation, because of risk, but that's changing. And it has changed over the last decade where we've seen, uh, you know, people evaluating the risk of technology differently. Yeah. And uh, that's only going to help us get these systems better connected to each other. You know, there's obviously you can use things like APIs and there are different technology tools to be able to connect these uh, these different systems together. But it's not just about the, the technology. It's also about how do you translate, right? So there are lots and lots of organizations, um, standards bodies, et cetera, that are trying to develop models so that when, when one system talks to another, that they speak the same language. Because we have, you know, we're dealing with lots of different types of technology, and they don't always speak the same language. So, how do you translate that? Uh, last question for me, and then I don't know if anyone else has more questions. But um, the site, we always talk about how the site is like everything's nice in research, like you said, utopia, and everybody wants patient centricity. Everybody yeah. wants to let patients come and go if they want to come to the office. That's nice. If they want to stay at home, it's great even better. Um, then you hear all this stuff about AI helping find patients. And then you hear things about text messaging systems that help you retain patients. It doesn't end. We can do this for three hours and we will only get scratched the surface. At yeah. the end of the day, if the site does not adopt this stuff, no matter how good it is, it's never going to work. Right? So how important is it for you guys to get the site to buy in to what you guys are doing, your initiatives, because at the end of the day, in my opinion, and maybe I'm biased, but I don't, I don't see it any other way without the site's participation in this stuff, it's no not going to happen. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's a big problem. I mean, it's a big, big problem in the area that we're in, right? We're, we're more in the sponsor space. Of course, sites are a key stakeholder, but it's a huge problem, right? If a site uh, fails an audit, Sure, it's a problem for the site, but it's a problem for the sponsor, right? And so there's a huge amount of pressure to uh, around the whole sort of site enablement. How can technology enable sites to, right. uh, to, to do better research, right? To be able to be more efficient. And you said it in your previous question, 10 different logins, 20 different logins. Today, the model is let's impose technology on the sites, right? Use this. And then, you know, if you're working on 10, 15, 20 studies, you might be working with 10, 20 different technology tools that you have to train your staff on, that you have to, uh, you know, maintain. Maybe you have to, you have to pay for some of them. So it's that those are the things that, are, that the industry is really tackling. And, and we've talked about it a lot internally and, and externally with, with our customers. You know, how do we do that? Because the customers come to us and say, look, we need to enable, we need to enable our sites. How do we do that? Um, and a lot of like we, we deal a lot in the documentation space, right? So site files, TMF, et cetera. And so that 
the big question we're always asked is, well, you know, can, can we give the site an ISF? Can we just manage it for them? Can we do it electronically? Can we, can we own that? And if you look at the regulation, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a gray area, right? You look at it and, and there needs to be almost a, a division, right? This is what you can see. This is what you can see because there's, there's important information that's being kept at the site that, you know, the sponsor may not need to have access to. And so to be able to broker that relationship, I think that's where the technology vendor comes in. That's where we as technology vendors need to play a larger role in brokering that relationship. So it's right. uh, it's not an easy it's not an easy thing to 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 figure out. The solution is not <laughs> not an easy one, but I think it comes down to because um, the the other thing that's tough that we've come across is that technology costs money, and often sites don't want to invest in technology, or at least they have invested in other things. Right. And it's diff difficult to be able to implement that technology. So sponsors say, well, I'll pay for it. But then you get into the regulation, you're like, okay, well, what can I own and what can I not own? And that that seems to be the impasse that we're at at the moment. Yeah, it seems like the lines are blurring too, because we talked to an AI company that's, they have actually a really good product in helping identify patients in a database for some of these larger academic medical centers that have tens of thousands in their database and coordinator is not going to go through that database and even make a dent. Right. But the AI does, but the thing is even to use the AI, like somebody has to follow up with the leads that come through and the coordinator still doesn't have enough time for that. So these companies are actually sending their own staff to work next to the coordinator. So the lines are blurred between what is the sponsor actually doing? Because to my understanding, sponsor, it's not really, uh, they're not necessarily allowed to be the site no. uh, all the time, right? Like this is why we have investigative sites. But they're, the way I see it with technology is they're trying to inch their way closer while still staying away and say, hey, that's still the site. But now we have somebody working like right here with the coordinator like shoulder to shoulder <laughs> that's what i see tech that's i see more of a dystopian future in yeah. some cases like you were saying utopian and that that's an example and whether or not it works i don't know but i've been to these amcs and i can tell you those coordinators don't even want you walking around the office like when you're a monitor <laughs> so i can't imagine they're okay with somebody sitting shoulder to shoulder as they're working just some stuff to consider. I know it's not for you guys, not a problem for you guys to solve, but as a thought leader in the space, you know, I wanted to get your take on that. It, it goes back to what I was, was saying earlier around, you know, we have to be cognizant of the ecosystem that we're a part of. Right. And so we can't ignore it um, because if something happens over here and we're not aware of it, it, it will have a back a downstream impact on, on how our customers use our, our tools. So, it's definitely something that we're very cognizant of. And I think there are, there are a couple of companies that are trying different things. But like I said before, life sciences and, and technology, we're still maturing. Thankfully, we've matured quite, quite a lot over the last few, you know, the last decade. But before then, I mean, it was slow. Yeah, technology adoption is slow. I mean, even in, in Europe, in some parts of Europe, it still is slow. Um, and some of that is around, you know, regulation. Some of that is around risk. But until we can move the industry forward from a technology perspective, I, I, that problem is still going to be here. Mm -hmm. The problem is still going to be here. Oliver, does, does Montreal have any uh, in mind or on the table, any uh, or maybe on the making, any services for the sites? Like, for example, 
uh, EDCs or or anything like that, or or maybe EREGs. Uh, I'm not not EREGs, sorry, e, uh, regular um, source documents or something like that. Yeah, so um, we can't give too much away, right? Uh, it's a, it's a kind of <laughs> but what what I will say is we're that, gonna give all of it away. What do you mean? First, the first scoop. There you go. Exclusive, exclusive. Um, you know, we it's. I'll say what 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 is public knowledge. You know, for us, we're all about enabling our customers. Um, and you know, when I was talking about brokering that relationship between the site and the sponsor or CRO, that's an area where we're investing a lot of time and effort into. Uh, it's an area where we're really investigating what can we do to better that relationship to allow the sponsor to empower the site but not burden them with new technology or you know elongated processes things that ultimately slow them down right we're here to do research we don't want to stop that from happening um so yeah i think when it comes to the in the technology space absolutely we're focusing on trying to help our our customers enable clinical sites to do better research more efficient research um, I'm, we're not we're not interested in in sort of doing things in the EDC space and things like that. There are lots of really great EDC providers out there, and to be honest with you, there's only so much you can do with EDC. Um, but there are lots of other areas where we plan to innovate around clinical trial management and that interaction between sponsor and site. Absolutely. Well, awesome. I think as that continues to grow, we would very much love to have you back and and Absolutely. get some updates on that for sure. I mean, especially innovation right now, I think uh, those who get it out first or the best, right? Not only first maybe, but the best is yeah. really, really important, especially to these sites that are also trying to, to really kind of make waves and make research a little bit more user-friendly, right? For them as well as for the subject. So, um, yeah. but I'm actually looking forward to that. So please keep us in mind. We will, absolutely. We would be, uh, we'd be more than happy to come back and talk about what we're doing and what we've what we've done since we last spoke you know we're uh, we're trying to do things a little bit differently and like, like you said right you don't have to be first as long as you're you know you, as long as you're the best right so we can be, we're happy we're very happy being second thing but if we bring out something that, that that really makes an impact that's done well um you know we'll edge our way up to first um and that's sort of the approach that we take in in, in business that's great <laughs> and uh, um when when it I think maybe I leave this 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 question for when <laughs> when the products are out there or when you guys have already created because um, obviously you cannot talk uh, so much about it just yeah yet. maybe maybe for the job fair <laughs> you know we have a job fair planned and it'd be nice to get a tech vendor in there to kind of share the tools so that people at the job fair maybe can learn something because not everybody knows how a TMF works and all that kind of stuff. So I think it would be a value Absolutely. add for, for the audience. Yeah, I mean, if there are any, if there are any organizations that are doing, um, you know, CRA training, learning, things like that, we're big on that. We partner with other organizations that are more well, local than us. We do. <laughs> we are. Yeah. So wait, wait, we, 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 do, we do. Yeah, we have a CRA Academy and a CRC Academy, and we would love to be able to if you have like a demo or something like training for the students, that would be good. Cause actually I'm thinking about it now from your perspective, it would be good if they get out there in the job, start interviewing, then they ask them, Hey, what TMF systems have you used? Well, those are the best. it's a <laughs> free, publicity, <laughs> free, pub free publicity, free publicity. And you yeah. never know. 
the hiring manager might be like, oh, really? What was your experience? Never heard of it. Okay. And they might take a note. Who knows? Somebody might get the memo. More specifically, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, new sites popping up now that research is becoming a lot more out there in mainstream. You're going to have these coordinators coming to new site sites with new ah, true. Look at how Slack grew. Look at Slack. Slack is a perfect example. You got to know this, Oliver. Slack didn't sell. Slack became a multi-billion dollar company now bought by Salesforce. They didn't sell to the people buying, making the decisions at the companies. They gave it for free to people like me, Ashley, Monica, and Chris and said, hey, you guys use this internally. It's so good. Your manager is going to wonder how you're so productive. That's the best form of advertising there is. That's the new yeah. model really nowadays to do it. So basically I go back to my CEO and, and tell him that we've got to give it away for free now. That's the, that's, <laughs> tell, him, oh, the tell him to look the at training. Slack. Tell him, yeah, that's the training. New strategy from that. New strategy from that. I like it. The training. Oh, the training. Are, we actually, are we actually opening also uh, another academy, the, the data management academy? Oh, so that's true. It can't get better than that. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Sure. Love it. Yeah, we, we'd be more than happy to we'd be more than happy to support you guys. We 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 also do like I said before, we're a knowledge based company, so we do a lot of online content, webinars. If you guys want to check out anything that you know, if you want to read up on TMF, you want to get more knowledgeable, we have an ETMF bootcamp. It's a an online series that you can run through to you know everything from the fundamentals of TMF all the way through to inspection. Oh. Is that free? Free, absolutely free. Oh, so where, I might need the link. Can go, yeah, <laughs> where, where people can go and, and uh, take a look uh, on Weaver. Yeah, you just head to montrium.com. So M-O-N-T-R-I-U-M.com and uh, head to the webinars page. We have a webinars page and you can you can check them out there. I'll also share the link with you guys. If you if you have anybody that reaches out, you can feel free to share it. We also, um, every year, um, and maybe we can get one of you guys at the conference next year, we run a virtual conference called TMF Week. It's a week-long event all on TMF. And we get a ton of um, you know, clinical site representation. We actually have a whole day that's focused on, on sites. Last year, uh, it was in June this year, actually. Um, and we had over 5,000 uh, folks across, across clinical research, TMF, ClinOps attend. Again, completely free. Um, and it's something that we just put on for, for the industry. You can go to tmfweek.com, register, and you can see all the recorded sessions, again, for free. So if, awesome. if people That's are in wonderful. Great. Well, I, I, I'm, uh, when do y'all normally host that? Um, TMF week is typically held either towards the end of May or the beginning of June as the live event. Um, we'll start releasing information uh, in January for that event so people can start pre-registering for that event then. But the event that just completed, uh, all of the sessions are recorded. So if anybody wants to access those recordings, I think there's 30 sessions on everything from, you know, uh, site and sponsor TMF reconciliation through to managing records during a pandemic. Like there's a lot of really interesting stuff that, that people can learn that I think would be useful for, for the audience for, for sure. If you want to know what we've got going on, just head to montrium.com. We've got a ClinOps newsletter that you guys can subscribe to. We've got uh, podcasts. We've got all kinds of stuff happening. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's super helpful. Uh, definitely. And I, I, like you said, as a, you get more information, let us know. We'd love to share it with our members, especially if it's free, right? Um, yeah. We appreciate companies that do that. And uh, yeah, we look forward to having you on again and even discussing 
possible other you know collaborations for sure let's do it i'm in awesome <laughs> thank awesome. you oliver all right thank thanks you. so much guys thank you thank you don't leave don't leave just yet <laughs> thank you all for watching we appreciate it and uh we'll be in touch definitely you'll be hearing more from montreal soon take care